Welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast. My name is Lincoln Strike, and joined today by a special guest. It's world silver medalist in the 800 meters, Raven Rogers. Raven, how are you today? I'm fine. How are you? Uh, doing good. Thanks for taking the time to join us. Now, news has re- recently been circulating about you. You switched training groups to to join an accomplished group with Pete Julian. Um, what's it been like this first month or so that you've been back in Oregon, but in Portland with Pete Julian and a new group? Um, It's been really great. I mean, the group has been very supportive through the whole move, and so it made things just that much easier. Um, So I've been doing more one-on-ones with Pete, and it's been helping build our relationship um, even quicker. Um, And that way he could learn a little bit more about me and my style of running and then, you know, to match as far as how to go about the rest of, you know, our time together. (laughs) Yeah. And most people, you would think during a pandemic, it's it's extra challenging to move. Um, Was it was that stressful? Was that hard on you to switch training groups in the middle of what's going on health wise in the in the world? It definitely, definitely was stressful, um, especially just moving by myself. My first, my first move to Philadelphia, I actually had about like maybe a week to get everything together, and then um, I had to go to Europe to run for a, like a whole month in Europe. So I had packed up everything, and my my friend uh, stayed and made sure that everything was sent off. But this time around, I was doing everything by myself. So literally, like packing everything, and then organizing everything and then having to you know just make sure everything was sent off and then so it was a little bit i would say three times more stressful during a global pandemic um you know just trying to get everything out there Mm -hmm. Uh, there's the old phrase if it's not broke don't fix it and it feels like something that could be applied to to your situation where you come off a year where you get a medal your first medal Mm -hmm. and you finish the top american at worlds and from the outside looking in, it's kind of like, why is Raven leaving this trading group when she had so much success? So what went into the decision to, to leave leave a group you've had success in after your biggest breakthrough on the world stage last year? What mainly went into my decision to switch groups was the constant urge and constant yearn for me wanting like to be a better athlete. Um, and there's just little things that I felt that just like resources and just being back home, you know, I've done the long distance thing, you know, as far as with my family and everything. Um, But I guess, you know, it's just a little homesick and being back, I have my mentor here, which helps a lot um, make things easier in my relationship, you know, with P has gotten better just by advice from my mentor. Um, So I would definitely say just a little bit more of a support system Family-wise, um, went into the decision a little bit. Mm-hmm. You you mentioned your mentor. Who is who's that? So her name is Ellen Schmidt Devlin, and she actually was a part of the first eight hundred team that Oregon, the women's team that Oregon had, and so she just played a big part in my career at um, at University of Oregon. Um, Bill Barman was her mentor, and so she make sure that, you know, I have a lot of wisdom and insight that's instilled in me while, you know, she has this whole plan for my career (laughs) and everything. So it's really good to be back with her in Portland. And you mentioned family. Uh, You're from Texas. So did you have family in Oregon? Did they move with you when you went to Oregon? How did that all work? 
No, so my family's in Houston, and um, okay. they weren't with me when I was in Oregon. So she was that family away from home, um, which kind of made Portland, you know, Oregon my second home, um, just because I would come and spend Thanksgiving with her when I couldn't go back home, uh, you know, because Oregon to Texas isn't just a turnaround type of situation. Yeah. And um, so she really just made my transition, you know, with college and just being away from my family that much easier. And you, you mentioned all those reasons for wanting to come home, as you said, but I'm wondering uh, on the men's side, Donovan had so much success, obviously under Pete last year. Did that have any role knowing he's in your event? It's clear Pete Julian, a very good 800 meter coach. Did that, did Donovan's success have any role in, in you coming to Portland? I think it wasn't more so about seeing how successful Donovan was. It was more so kind of aligning what I felt that I needed. Um, and then because going from Derek to Pete isn't a, you know, it's not a loss. Um, and both coaches are very talented um, and both have proven themselves well worthy of the respect they deserve. And so I feel like, you know, it's a win-win with both situations. It's just that there's some things that personally I feel like I, want to more so search for and um, I'm just taking that risk. And then it helps, it does help, like to answer your question, it does help that Donovan is also a 4-8 and he's also um, improved as far as growing um, as athlete that he is today. Yeah. So I, I really did, of course, I feel like the world kind of noticed how Donovan grew um, into the athlete and the confident athlete that he is today. And I would definitely say that that that's part of the reason why I think I did go with Pete. Is it tough to make life decisions when on the outside, everyone's looking at it only from a track perspective. So when you look at yourself leaving a training group that included Ajay, we're like, well, everything was working everything's fine. And then people don't understand and remember that of course you're a person and you have other concerns other than just what you do for over two laps. Is it tough to, I don't know, separate those two areas of your life and, and, and try to make decisions for your well-being, not just on the track? I think that it, it's hard because I, I, it's not, it's tough in some ways. I mean, it's, it's easy, you know, as far as me being able to separate myself from just being an athlete, just because, you know, I, I take pride in me doing art. I take pride in, you know, my life outside of track. But when it comes to making decisions where you have to not only like I moved from Eugene to Philadelphia and then moved back to Oregon, um, that's something that takes a lot of consideration. But I just decided that, you know, it's a reason why I feel the way I feel, you know, I wanting to be back, back closer to home, back having a strong support system. And um, that's part of the reason that went into the move. You know, I feel that only track people would probably be able to see the outside like you said um and there's my group back in philly i mean those are like my sisters you know um and so just to go away from that you know of course i missed that but it like i said it's a win-win so i'm gaining uh great training partners as well with pete and what has it been like in these last few weeks where you've been in part of pete's group you go from in philadelphia having someone alongside you as ajay obviously she's running the same event, probably doing similar workouts, if not the exact same, to now you have a team that doesn't have another obvious female 800-meter runner. Are there changes about who you run your reps with? Like, what what goes into that? 
Well, the thing is, is that I feel like I've kind of had to, it's this moving to Portland has just helped with me growing as an athlete. I mean, my first year of being professional, I was still trying to graduate, you know, and Derek was sending me workouts when I was in Oregon. So I didn't even have training partners that first year. And then, you know, just a lot of, of course, discipline. And of course, with Derek's talent, Derek's workouts, that's when you know, I finished fifth in Diamond League final. And so it's not like I haven't had, um, I've had, it's not like I've had, you know, uh, training partners this whole time, but going to Philadelphia, it helped a lot just because, you know, um, you're around, it's kind of like, you know, practice is intense, but it's not really intense because we all had a great relationship. So I think what I missed the most is the relationship that I had, you know, with my sisters because they helped me grow and they gave me a lot of insight based off of their experience and um, kind of going to peak. I feel like we're all kind of in this emerging type of phase of our life. Um, we're kind of similar, you know, me, Craig and Coco and Donovan, we're kind of similar on the, as far as years wise, um, is, with our experience with being professional. So it's a little bit different than having, you know, a range of Charlene and, you know, Kendra and Ajay and Angel Piccarillo. That's the part that I miss the most. We spoke with Donovan last week and then he, and it was announced yesterday, he's going to Monaco. Are you planning on running any races in, in Europe this year? Uh, we're supposed to be running races. I'm not really sure. I've been dealing with some little minor setbacks. Um, and so we're just wanting to really use this year to the best of getting adjusted to everything and not really force it, but just kind of get the races out the way. And would you feel comfortable? I mean, you, you mentioned maybe you're dealing with something right now that you're trying to fix before you would race, but would you feel comfortable, you know, going overseas given the, the pandemic and everything going on? Um, I, I think I would feel comfortable about it. I mean, I, I definitely don't feel, of course, I'm not a fear led type of person. Um, and yeah. so if it happens, it's definitely for a reason. And all I can do is just trust, uh, Pete's coaching. That's the best thing that I could do going into this whole thing, this relationship that we're trying to build. So I think that I would be a little bit more open to it um, just to, because I know that Pete has a bigger plan. One good thing about you moving back to the, to the, to Portland and I guess being close to Eugene is you're close to where you went to college. And of course they just constructed the new stadium and you are there on the tower. I've, saw, I've seen your social media posts and the video Oregon put, put out, but just put into words what, what it was like to see that in person for the first time to see your, your face up there on that tower. I mean, to see the tower and, you know, being there with my family and walking down Agate, um, I just remember just seeing it through the trees. And it was just so exciting just because that just proved how big it was. I was more so really shocked at how much this, how much in center it kind of was of the tower, um, which means so much because I mean, to be the only woman on the tower, like I said, I have a great relationship with my mentor to where she's introduced me and made me aware of many of the women that came before me. You know, I she introduced me to Madeline Manning Mims and um, Claudette Gronendahl, who is the, um, the, she has the school record in the 800 at Oregon. So it's, it's definitely bigger than me and to have you know, me representing many of the women that came before me in the future. 
women that will be successful at Oregon um, as the center, that, that meant a lot because it, it wasn't something that was just kind of, not to say, I mean, there is five people, but it's not like I was kind of lost on the tower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did When did you find out that you were going to be featured on there? I found out maybe so maybe last year, like way before, kind of at the beginning of construction. Um, not so much after, so maybe a year and a half ago. I mean, not so much after they started because they started building, you know, Hayward um, after Triple Crown year. And so it was more so towards the end of that year, kind of going into 2018 maybe. And um, I didn't know that I was going to be the only, I didn't know there were going to be five of us. They just told me that I was going to be on the tower. And so once I found out, which was pretty recent, that I was the only woman on the tower and there was only five of us, um, that just hit home even more. Mm-hmm. And then just having your family around, I mean, it looked like a really, really exciting, special moment for you. What, what was it like? I mean, my mom started crying, of course, um, because like I said, I spent four years at Oregon and my family only came up maybe once a year for NCAAs, you know, so most of my career they watched on TV and um, and they would come up during uh, nationals and indoors and stuff. But for her to kind of see, the last time she came to Hayward was for the Triple Crown. She was there for that moment. And so to see three years later me on the door and just you know her being able i can only imagine how she felt being proud because i've been running summer track i ran summer track when i was five and i did it all the way until like high school until you know as much as i could in high school to prepare for college so all of those years you know she's able to relate to the most in my family just being in a texas sun um and just seeing how it's paid off and the trust that she had with Oregon um with me being so far away it definitely uh it was it was a moment for her to really grasp and you mentioned the triple crown i'm wondering what the proudest accomplishment you had at Oregon or maybe the just the best memory you had as an Oregon duck i definitely would say the triple crown um even just watching i feel like i'm able to when I think about my freshman year race, um, I'm able to really take that to the heart more because, you know, that was freshman year. So the Triple Crown year is a little bit more recent, but um, just seeing how, how like other people reacted and then the videos and realizing, you know, how loud it was, I'm able to really grasp a little better um, how truly special that moment was because I mean you you go through it and then you know you don't really realize and take into every little detail into consideration until three years later mm-hmm. um and so I would definitely say just sharing that moment with you know the community in Eugene the people the same people that watched me grow from freshman year to my senior year um that meant a lot to have that you know at Oregon my my coworker Kevin went to Oregon. He didn't he didn't run on the team, but he you know was his parents live in Eugene. He's been around the city and the university for a long time. He uh, not initially a fan of the new Hayward Field, or at least not nothing against the stadium. Just the fact that old Hayward is no longer there. 
I'm wondering right. if it was a bittersweet type of a thing for you in the same sense, being that, yes, it's this brand new spectacular stadium, but also all, all this, this place that had so many memories and so much history to it is no longer there. What, how do you balance that outlook? Well, the thing I would say is that um, I, so I saw the stadium, I went in the stadium um, and the track is exactly the same. The track, I looked at it, just looking on that curve where the dorms are, the whole track is exactly the same. The placement hasn't changed one bit. It's just everything around the track has changed. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, once you're sitting there being able to watch it, you'll definitely be able to understand what I'm talking about. But when the first thing that I kind of realized the most is that um, when walking through the stadium, I was happy for the team because we deserve that. Oregon Track and Field deserves the stadium because, I mean, just the convenience of everything being there um, and being able to have the necessary resources available at the stadium just goes more, it, it just works better for what Oregon is trying to do as far as development. And so just the, the vibes of the stadium and the seats, it turns, it turns the stadium into um, more like a European type of meet. You know, if you had a meet on a Sunday, this is a great, this is this is more than a great experience. I mean, this, the, even the seats, you know, they're cushioned, they have cup holders. So they're yeah. definitely showing respect to the fact of, you know, we know that this is just not your average meet. Granted, I feel like the old Hayward was great because it was that, um, you know, you can think about the dirt, the dirt track that they had, even when they had football games there. Some people can't remember those times. So there's there's more association with the beginning of sports for Oregon at Hayward Field. That's not just track because it was football there as well. Um, but now with this new stadium, it is specifically for track. And then the mm -hmm. best part is that on that first that first uh, row of seats, there's only a rail that's separating you from the track. So oh, cool. it's is they're definitely making it um, an engaging uh, type of experience, not just your average, just kind of show up and there's a fence in the way type of track meet. They're making it on a whole different level. They're they're dedicating to the experience there. Mm -hmm. Well, you definitely sold me, and I, I think uh, the cushion seats, although I'll miss the bleachers, like the cushion seats <laughs> will definitely, definitely help there. You mentioned uh, you've been running track since you were five, which um, mm -hmm. it's hit and miss in track. You know, other sports, basketball, for say, per se, NBA players, of course, they've been playing since they were five, six, seven. But track, not everybody came to the sport the same way. How do you avoid burnout in the sport that you've been doing for so long, running so many repeats, so many miles? Well, I mean, I did, so in, I, in my, uh, sorry, in middle school and high school, I did uh, volleyball, basketball, and track. So that's one thing. I didn't just dedicate myself to yeah. just running. Um, doing basketball and volleyball really helped with other things that have helped in track as well um, and kind of balance out not being so mentally exhausted. Um, but I feel like just the people that I've been blessed to be around from my summer track team to the high school I went to, to college, I mean, even at Oregon, we didn't run every weekend. 
uh, there was a plan to how we trained and when we competed and there was, you know, that fed into the ultimate plan that Johnson had. And so, I mean, I feel like I've been in situations that has allowed for me to grow at a steady pace and not just at one time, um, mm -hmm. you know, just going to private school and developing in there and just having all the resources to be able to kind of develop into the athlete that I needed to be academically and athletically going into college, that played a big part with me being able to last this long. I, uh, before this, I rewatched the world championships 800 final and it's still, I know you didn't get gold, but it's still unbelievable how well you finished that last hundred meters. Uh, what, like, had you ever finished a hundred or an eight that fast before? It's still really hard to believe. So the thing about it is that I, when I was younger, because I've ran so many 800s, like I don't have as much professional experience, but I have a lot of like experience with 800 in general. Um, and so when I was younger, I actually used to like go at the 200. Like my thing was to go at the 200. And um, because it clicked in my head that this is where I could separate from everyone else. And so, um, I'm a very visual person. I like to know at this point, this is where I want to go. And once I hit it, I do the same thing. You know, I hit the point and I go. But when I was younger, I used to hit the 200 point and I would go, which is kind of exhausting. So yeah. it went from the 200 to like the 150 to like the 120 and whatever. Now it's just whenever I feel the need to make a move. Um, but that talent or at least that skill or blessing that I've been able to have, it went back all the way to when I was younger. I mean, um, I've been running that way ever since I was little. Mm -hmm. um, the four by four in the US is super competitive as is every relay. I'm wondering if you have thoughts to try to get on the, the women's four by four. I definitely do. Um, I mean, it's something that I would love to be a part of and just being able to add to that culture. Um, I feel like just seeing, I grew up, I mean, Sonya went to UT and because she's the closest thing to an 800 runner, other than, you know, I grew up watching Phoebe Wright and Chanel um, and Alicia later on, but I really grew up watching Sonya. And so just, she's played a big part in kind of being an image that I would kind of aim for as far as what she did for the sport. Just the hype that she added to, to pin relays with the 4x4 and then her individual 400 and then adding to the USA relay. Um, so, of course, I would love to be a part of that culture. Mm -hmm. uh, with mentioning Sonia, I'm, you know, obviously a, a 400 meter runner. When did you figure out for yourself that you were going to be an 800 runner? I actually didn't choose 800. The 800 chose me. <laughs> um, and it's part of it because uh, I remember I was younger and my mom tells the story how I uh, started out kind of wanting to do sprints, but there were so many kids in the sprints where she just was like, oh, just get this 800. And I hated it. I hated it. I ran both laps crying. I, you know, hated to lose. So it was very personal. It was a very personal event for me. Um, but as I began to grow and with time develop and um, eventually taking on the 400 as well, as well at one point, 
um, that's when I kind of realized that the eight was my thing. And then also kind of dabbling into the four played hand in hand for me. What are you hoping to improve most going forward into what we hope is next year an Olympic year? Um, is it just I, you want to cut your PR down, getting better through rounds, or what? What is it technical wise in your craft that you're you're hoping gets better in the next year? Um, I hope to get better in let's see. I mean confidence. Um, that's always something I could take you out. And that's definitely something that I've realized in the past has played a big part in not only my career, um, because I feel like in college is different, you know, you're around other people who are great. And then there's like, there's different levels to college. And so you develop a confidence over the years, but once you get into professional, it's like a reset button. And, um, it's kind of like, no one knows you, uh, Luckily, I was blessed to have the career I had at Oregon to have some jump start, but it's definitely a reset. And so just trying to get back to building that confidence and um, getting back into a stable, structured uh, situation to where I can kind of, you know, go the route I need to go and just continue to, to grow. A lot of people do talk about when they lose that, that college team aspect of their, their training, it's very difficult um how hard it, i mean i think you said it there but how hard it, has that been just starting your career knowing you know i'm not part of a team i'm not winning national titles anymore for oregon but i still have to run well has that been a, a tough thing to to be changed in, in your running it's definitely hard um it's tough because i mean it's just you out there like you said i mean you have your team and you can have the hype that's associated with the team. Um, but when it's just you and your contract or your brand or just your path versus everyone else, you kind of have to have a little bit more security in yourself, um, which security and confidence go hand in hand. And so, um, you know, if you don't feel as secure with the situation you're in, or if you don't feel as much confidence, uh in how things are paying off because the thing about professional is that you're not going to win every time and the thing i've realized is that every, you can't compare yourself to everyone that you're around um because there's so much that went into that person's time success that you're witnessing at the moment that you weren't there for um and i feel mm -hmm. like a lot of people tend to I don't know. Um, I don't think it's bad to have expectations to want to achieve great things, but you have to be a little patient because there's steps that build up to that. And that's what yeah. I realized the most. And that's what confidence plays hand in hand with. Well, where are you in, in that path? I guess, do you feel now with a medal and having some professional years under your belt, like do you feel like I got this or is it still very much like you're a couple years, you're feeling like I'm just a couple years out of college and I'm still learning the ropes? I'm kind of in the middle. Um, I'm kind of in the middle just because I feel like I'm kind of getting, I'm at the beginning a little bit. I feel like getting a medal was getting the ball rolling. <laughs> um, but now I, of course, I have a lot of expectations for myself. Um, and 
it's about working with those expectations and those goals, trying to achieve those goals, but also making the necessary steps, doing the extra work that I need to do that can contribute to when time brings it all together, you know, it just goes. Um, and so that's just the hard part. I feel like I've gotten the ball rolling, but now it's a matter of, you know, okay, the ball is rolling, let's, let's keep this going. Switching gears a little bit, you mentioned a while ago about your art, and I know that's something that's a big passion for you. And I think you, didn't you major in organ in, in art? Yep, graduated yeah. from the College of Design. <laughs> what, uh, are, what, what are you working on right now, if anything, uh, in, in that realm? So currently, uh, I haven't been painting in a while. And I, I've looked for studios, but studios are really expensive in Portland. <laughs> Everything is expensive in Portland. Um, and so I feel like once I get to a place where uh, I have my studio and I have a dedicated space to painting, that's when I want to continue to just keep on going and evolving uh, with my paintings. Right now, I'm more so doing little sketches. Uh, I have a friend who told me that he wanted a painting and so just brainstorming and staying creative, uh, that's kind of where I'm at with my art career. <laughs> mm -hmm. My wife's actually an artist and so she felt that pain coming out of college, like having this designated studio space on campus and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I only have my apartment. So I definitely, understand and understand that exactly um, it's not easy <laughs> yeah. what does what does art provide for you like as it's just so different obviously than than running uh as your career like is it a big stress relief like how do you use art to balance your life out i use art um as definitely a stress relief, but as as a challenge as well. I mean, I feel like over the years, it's challenged just my time at Oregon. You know, the art community is like a really hard community to like please, you know, which is why you have paintings uh, of something that is like an apple that is sells for like a million dollars. And you're just like, what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but then you also have people that are like, this is amazing. This apple is amazing, you know? So there's so many different um, people that you have to please. And I really learned a lot about myself and that played into confidence as well because just having critiques at Oregon when we would have critiques for the paintings, you get different feedbacks, but you have to kind of stand by what you made. And it's kind of like taking ownership, you know, yeah, I did that. And okay, I hear what you're saying. Or, you know, okay, I hear what you're saying and I don't really agree, but it's okay, thanks for sharing. Um, that's kind of the attitude that you, that's helped me build a confidence as far as just standing on uh, what I make and being proud of it. What criticism is harder to take? That after a, a bad race or maybe not a bad painting, but maybe somebody has something <laughs> negative to say about about a specific artwork, which one's tougher for you to swallow? So you're saying after a bad, criticism after a bad race or criticism after artwork, a bad painting? Yeah, yeah. I think criticism after a bad race is a little harder. Um, just because uh, with painting, 
if I I feel like I'm the one that's kind of trying to fight myself. And so if someone tells me that something is it's it's never like an uh, on the same page type of thing. You know, I'll get feedback, but if I ultimately feel like this is the most beautiful piece, then that's what it is. We're running like you have to be open because there are people that truly can I guess it lines up. I mean, it's a little different because you have to be open because you're going along the you know, you have to trust your coach and your coach has a plan for you. But with painting, it's just me. And so if I don't feel like it's valid information, I might not take it into consideration. But if I also hate it, I will destroy my painting. I will have something beautiful. And if I really kind of get to a point where it's not adding up, it will be cut in shreds. Mm -hmm. So I know you I know you just moved, but I noticed the walls behind you are a little bare. Are you a type of person that you put your own artwork on your on your own walls or or do you keep it elsewhere? So I'm the type of person that I love Pinterest. I love home goods. I love all of that. But I would rather if I had a studio space, I would make my studio studio page space really artsy and everything. But when I come home, I'm at home, even away from practice. Like Donovan can tell you, I don't live near the team. <laughs> I don't yeah. live near the team um, because I like to stay in tune with the me away from the track. So when I go to Beaverton, it's because I'm going to practice. But when yeah. I come home, um, I'm taking a break from that. And that helps me yeah. stay calm and not so overwhelmed with training. That, that seems like a, a smart balance to have. Um, well, Raven, thank you so much for chatting with us for a few minutes. Wish you the best of luck uh, going forward with whatever the season holds for you in 2020. And uh, of course, good luck beyond as well. Thank you. <laughs>